Bonjour, mon nom est Yannick et on écoute Linux for Everyone en Suisse. Hello, Привет, говорит Александр. Мы слушаем Linux for Everyone из России. Hi, this is Dave, and we are listening to Linux for Everyone in the United Kingdom. Hi, mit navn er Jesper. Du lytter til Linux for alle i Danmark. Pozdrav svima. Linux for Everyone sluša se u Hrvatskoj. Ciao a tutti ragazzi, sono Manuel e ovviamente ascoltiamo Linux for Everyone anche qui in Italia. Olá, eu sou Matheus Fantinel e estamos escutando Linux for Everyone no Brasil. Привет, с вами подкаст Linux for Everyone. Добро пожаловать домой. Hola, soy Fernando Leal y estamos escuchando Linux for Everyone en España. Hello, this is Tanner Crook listening to Linux for Everyone from Wyoming in the US. Hallo zusammen, ich bin Andreas und ich höre Linux for Everyone in Deutschland. Welcome home. Sveikia sagrįžę namo. Welcome home. Bienvenue à la maison. Welcome home. Welcome again. Welcome home. Welcome home. Bienvenido a casa. Welcome home. Willkommen daheim. Welcome home. Hello, my friends, and welcome to a very special episode of Linux for Everyone. My name is Jason Evangelo. Ask me anything. That's the concept behind this episode. It's, it's kind of a birthday special, but more than that, it's a community special. It is something for the community that has given so much back to me and back to this show and made it such a success and, and really such a joy Before we kick this off, I want to give a very special thank you to everyone who has ever submitted one of those Welcome Home tags. I couldn't include every single one because I didn't want the clip to be super long, but uh, at the same time, I wanted to highlight this global community and how amazing it is. And I also wanted to highlight the music for the theme song, which is done by our friend Jerry Morrison. You can listen to that entire track, by the way. It's called Brain Dead. And uh, Jerry did all the music, and I'm on vocals for that track. That's over at SoundCloud, and I'll have a link to that in the show notes. So, sit back, grab yourself an adult beverage or a warm drink, and let's do this. Hello, Jason, and this is Oliver from the UK. I hear you're doing a special episode this time round, and your birthday is on the 17th, and this is episode 17, so this seems quite fitting. So we asked the community to put some questions together for an AMA for you. So we'll go off with the first question. And this is from uh, Alex. Some of you may know him from the Telegram group. He writes, what game are you playing right now and why? So I guess we'll probably start this out with a very uninteresting answer for the majority of you. But it is a good question. 
And I'm playing a lot of games. I, I recently discovered Golf With Your Friends, which we played on the DLN Community Game Night last week. And that is super, super fun. If you haven't checked that out, uh, I think it supports up to 12 players simultaneously. And it's basically miniature golf, right? It's putt-putt. But the levels are so imaginative and so insane. There's levels in space around dinosaurs. There's a Worms-themed um, course. And you can, you know, you fly through, uh, you aim your ball through these rings, and then you get a jetpack, and you have to, like, fly your way to the next hole. And it's just, it's an absolute blast. So you combine that with some, some you know, fun trash talk, and uh, it's something I would highly, highly recommend. But the game that I have been playing literally daily since about nine months ago is Magic the Gathering Arena. And I've been playing that so much because of Lutris. I have, uh, wow, I started playing Magic the Gathering back in the beta set. I don't even know what year that was. Yes, I had Moxes, by the way. And uh, I, I foolishly parted with all of those at one point. But I always had that that itch to play, and I loved the the paper Magic the Gathering game. But you know what? It gets really, really expensive. And so when Magic Arena launched, it just, it really was the perfect digital incarnation of the original trading card game. And I've been playing it nonstop. Amazingly, I have not spent a dime on it, but I did get up to a mythic rank one season. But the shout out here is because it's it might not be a super popular game, but I, I do want to give a lot of credit to the Lutris developers who recently even added a workaround to where if the client itself needs an update, then you can go into Lutris and install that as a separate installer so that you don't have to install the game fresh. Um, anyway, it, it's just kind of a it's a it's a nice, elegant solution that they've come up with that lets people play this game on Linux. And I'm very, very happy for that because it's absolutely my favorite game. Maybe not the most exciting game, but uh, it gives me a lot of, of thrills every time I open it up. The next question comes courtesy of Nick at The Linux Experiment. And if you guys are not following him, I urge you to do so. He produces some of the slickest, most thoughtful, just well-produced videos on Linux, and uh, just search for him on YouTube. He is fantastic. He asks, you write a lot of articles and are branching into podcasts and now YouTube. How do you find the time to do all this? Your writing is your main job, if I understand that correctly, but the rest must take a toll on your available time. What is the secret here? Nick, that's a tough question to answer. I don't have a secret. Working from home is both a blessing and a curse because it's very difficult to mentally and physically separate yourself from home environment and work environment. Work is always there. There's no end to it, especially when you enjoy it so much. It's really hard to put it down. And if you're not careful, that can take a toll on on both your, your mental health and your personal relationships. I'm still learning it. You know what's helped recently, though? I have finally started to embrace all the tools we have at our disposal when we're using Linux to save time. Things like bash scripts or very simple software that lets you uh, back up and restore your important stuff when you move from one machine to another. This community has also been a monumental 
help. Things like Uncle Mez creating a really slick thumbnail for the next few YouTube videos. Things like Oliver talking with the community and taking charge of creating a form to ask all these questions and getting the questions to me, you know, kind of almost taking on a producer role in that way. The sheer amount of knowledge and suggestions that come from this community helps shape the topics for a lot of these episodes. And there's just numerous examples like that. And, uh, you know, at first, I was really hesitant to accept that help. But the more that I have opened myself up to that, it seems like the more the community has been willing to just dive in and help make all of these things that I'm doing a success together. So Nick, I wish I could tell you that I had a secret. I really don't. I am working on my time management and I'm working on treating everything as one, you know, unified effort, streamlining things. Like, for example, if I have an idea for a YouTube video, when I write that script, that script can double as an article at Forbes with a little bit of tweaking and adjusting. When I'm capturing the footage for that video, I can just take screenshots and those can be the featured images on the article. There are different audiences that want the same general content. And so that's kind of how I'm starting to go forward now. But I'll use this as an opportunity of sorts to, uh, to give a bit of advice. And that advice is learn from my mistakes. It's extremely challenging to avoid burnout if you don't set some boundaries. If you're producing content of any kind for a global community, if you're working remotely, if, you know, whatever, if you don't have a, a, I guess, typical job structure and time zones are irrelevant and the world is always on, I think you just have to set boundaries for yourself and you have to say, no matter what's happening, I am closing this laptop, I am turning off my notifications. And that's something that's really hard for me to do because I love everything about my job. But even if you do, take some time, let your brain decompress, spend time with the people you love. The next one from Marco. What's the biggest surprise after one year of doing Linux? Writing for Forbes, what surprises you? I think I'll give a two-layered answer here. What surprises me the most after a year of using Linux? The novelty hasn't worn off. The urge that I have to continuously explore and continuously discover cool new stuff and new tricks and new ways of doing things has not even remotely dissipated. It's just gotten stronger. In the beginning, I thought it would be kind of a a fling, you know, a, a side project, a hobby. And I never made a conscious effort until just a three or four months ago to really buckle down and cover... Linux and open source full-time. And what surprises me the most on that front is that in, in terms of viewership and in terms of just pure engagement, it's been more successful than, than covering you know huge mainstream topics like NVIDIA and AMD and PC gaming and console gaming. I mean, I, I've written at Forbes for more than seven years. I've covered Linux, well, at least the majority of my content at Forbes has been Linux for about the last year or so. And if you look at my top five most viewed articles since 2012, three out of five of them are about Linux. 
And two of those have more than a half a million views each, which is extraordinary. Just extraordinary. Um, and, and even if you look at the smaller pieces, just the, the daily type of news, you know, this, um, hey, System76 is releasing core boot laptops now, or here's how Canonical contributed to improving the responsiveness of GNOME 3.34. Like, those are all very successful articles, and um, that is what surprises me. Because it, it, it represented a bit of a professional risk, making the, the conscious decision to say, you know what, if at all possible, I am going to cover Linux full-time at Forbes. That is my specialty. That's what I'm doing every time I sit down in front of my CMS to write something. It's been so rewarding, and it has only reinforced not only that, sure, it ended up being a good decision, but that there is a hunger for this content out there among people who aren't using Linux. And that just uh, that just makes me smile. This is a personal question from me. You create amazing podcasts, but do you listen to other podcasts yourself? Yeah, I actually do. I'm, I'm a little bit too busy to listen to every single episode of the podcast that I subscribe to, but let me give you a list of some of my favorites. All Songs Considered from NPR. T. Earl Grey Hot, which is a great unofficial Star Trek podcast because I'm a total Trekker. The Ask Noah Show, Destination Linux, Linux Action News, This Week in Linux, and whenever I have the time, I'll try to sit down and actually watch The Full Nerd from PC World because I've met both of those guys, Gordon and Brad, and I used to actually write for PC World, and I just love the way they present like hardcore tech news and reviews, but in a really uh, kind of a fun, breezy way. Hi, Jason. I'm Mir Ashif. Greetings from Dhaka, Bangladesh. What do you feel like Linux in general lacks the most? What fundamental characteristics, features are missing slash required for Linux to become a mainstream desktop OS? All right, gang, chant along with me like we're all Steve Ballmer. Marketing, marketing, marketing. <laughs> That's my personal opinion. In terms of user experience, software, we've got it all and more. We have plenty. We need better marketing. I believe that better marketing in a very simple, concise, transparent way can eventually show that the majority of PC users don't need anything more than reliable system updates and a browser. Linux does that remarkably well. You start convincing all these people that they don't need Windows. You get a larger user base. And then suddenly OEMs like HP and Acer and Asus, perhaps they start shipping their laptops and their desktops with Linux pre-installed. And that is where the fuse gets ignited and it takes off into the stratosphere. It doesn't beat Windows. It doesn't beat Mac OS. But it competes favorably with them. And that attracts more developers. And that attracts more services. And that in turn can bring more opportunities for revenue for the developers and the, the, the leaders of these distributions. More revenue streams and, and more money coming into the ecosystem means that more full-time developers, programmers can be hired. It makes the software better. It makes the marketing better. That, in turn, brings in more users. And I think that's the cycle that needs to happen. 
And I don't necessarily think that we have to have like this one master Linux distribution that is what everyone recommends to new people because everyone's different and we have to take advantage of the choice that Linux and open source offers because that's certainly one of its biggest, biggest strengths, right? Perhaps we should, though, recommend a few to get started. You know, like, like I've said before, open the door and then show people the all-you-can-eat buffet. And I firmly believe that if desktop Linux does increase market share substantially, then the cream will rise to the top as far as distributions and software goes. Why do we see toxicity in the Linux community often, unlike other communities, and especially towards Ubuntu and Canonical? Simple answer. That toxicity exists in every community, in every tech community, in every film community, in every music community, in every, you name it. The toxicity is out there. I do think we see more helpfulness and friendliness in the Linux community than those other communities, though. As far as why do we see so much hate or toxicity directed at Ubuntu and Canonical? Because they're the big fish. They're the ones on top. What do you think Valve's Proton project's end goal is? Thank you so much. Ever since the advent of Steam Machines, and I think it was 2013, Valve has been preparing their plan B. Valve has been investing effort and resources and money into an eventuality where they either pull out of Windows or they don't rely on Windows for the same level of revenue. I think that Valve has always had reservations about Windows, even though that is certainly, you know, their <laughs> their big moneymaker in terms of game sales. And I think that Gabe Newell in particular has a vision for what his perfect world would be. And I think that perfect world involves open source and open operating systems and privacy. But I guess let's get our head out of the clouds and talk business. <laughs> um, Valve has an end game, to be sure. Valve is building all of these puzzle pieces, and eventually they're all going to connect in this very elegant way that just kind of makes you go, aha, that makes perfect sense. Of course. Of course that's what they've been doing the whole time. Things like Steam OS, things like Steam Boxes, things like the Steam Link... Those are part of those puzzle pieces. Proton, uh, their their recent feature that lets you play couch co-op online with other people when they don't have to own the game, that's a puzzle piece. Maybe they are peering into the future and seeing that cloud gaming might overtake everything. Because cloud gaming, once the infrastructure is there around the world, or at least in markets that make the most impact... It lowers the barrier to entry for gamers of all stripes. You don't need a console. You don't need a big, beefy tower. You don't even need a powerful laptop. You just need a basic PC running a solid Linux distribution. And here are all of your games. And I think a byproduct of that might even be that we start seeing Steam as uh, as ubiquitous as something like Netflix on smart TVs and, and other devices. So time will tell, but uh, it is fascinating and, and kind of fun to think about it. What food can't you get from the States that you miss? 
And this one's from CT Hood. <laughs> this might be the easiest one to answer so far. In and out burger. No, not five guys. I want my double double animal style. My fries and my strawberry slash chocolate milkshake from In N Out Burger. So where do you see Linux for everyone in the next twelve months? Yeah, that's <laughs> really tough to speculate because I've been blown away at what's happened in not even four months. But uh, when I did start this, I had sort of a, a master plan and, and outlined some some goals that would hopefully be unlocked in you know certain intervals of time. And I can't give too much away, but there are plans for a lot of growth and a lot more content. And I hope you guys are there when that happens. Who would you most like to get on the show? Gabe Newell of Valve. I, I want to pick his brain on so many things that extend way beyond gaming and, and Proton and Linux. How did you get started writing at Forbes? Before I landed my position at Forbes, I was cleaning Amtrak trains on the graveyard shift for minimum wage, and living with three roommates to make ends meet. Before that, you know, I had various dead-end jobs at grocery stores, fast food chains. I earned some pocket money uh, writing the occasional game review or news article for various dead-end websites. I mention this because you should never count yourself out. You should never abandon your dreams, regardless of how old you are, or what experience you have or don't have, or what your education is. So digging further back into my history, I I had the opportunity to carry out one of my dreams beginning in October 2004. I became one of the first 30 podcasters in the world. And I I talk about this a bit uh, more in episode one, I think it is. That show was Insomnia Radio. It was a weekly music podcast highlighting undiscovered indie rock bands from all over the world. By 2006... Podcasting was finally starting to go mainstream, and and that show was covered in Wired, Fresno Bee, U.S. Weekly, and even the New York Times. It all blossomed into this whole big network of regional insomnia radio shows hosted by fellow music lovers, you know, from from uh, highlighting bands from their own backyard. We had insomnia radio Portugal and Turkey, and those were even hosted in both their native languages and English. Anyway, that's a bit of a tangent, but it it does lead up to this. I've always had a passion for writing, and I've always been obsessed with various forms of PC and gaming technology. And what I've always felt like I was good at is taking a complicated topic and, and putting it into language that everybody can easily understand, you know, make it conversational and not complex. But in a big, big, big way, I have to thank a fellow music podcaster that I met way back in the Insomnia Radio days. His name's Ewan Spence. After like eight years of being out of touch, he called me out of the blue and said that Forbes was looking for technology writers. So he was instrumental in me landing that gig. And I think the moral of the story here is that you never know who's paying attention. You know, you never know how someone you meet today can affect your future 10 years from now. So, if at all possible, don't burn bridges, and don't ever turn down a networking opportunity. Who's your favorite band, A, of all time, B, currently? I would have to say, favorite band of all time, Foo Fighters. Now, that used to be Pearl Jam. 
I I connected with Pearl Jam when I was a teenager in kind of this very emotional, raw way. You know, this is when they were angry. This is when they were like reshaping the the grunge landscape and uh, and very just. I mean, writing these these heart wrenching lyrics and and they were activists and uh, it was all very so new to me and so exciting to everything about their music. Well, that lasted until about Yield, I think their fifth album. And then I just kind of got tepid. I just kind of lost that flame that I had for them. And Foo Fighters took over, and I'd always loved Foo Fighters. And I still love Foo Fighters. I've seen them uh, three times now with my wife, and unforgettable experiences each time. And uh, I just love the lust for life that Dave Grohl has, and how much he is able to produce and give the world. Currently, I would say I'm pretty obsessed with Tool. And I've also liked Tool since Undertow. But uh, the more I sit down and listen to them, the more I appreciate them for a really interesting reason. And two reasons. One, it almost feels like you're robbing yourself if you do not listen to a Tool album from start to finish with great headphones on. And two, because... Even after listening to one of their songs, for, you know, 200 times, I still haven't mastered all the air drumming <laughs> because I, I do that for so many things. I, lo- I love to air drum and I love to just kind of tap along and, and uh, man, you can't do that with Tool. You really, I can't do that with Tool. Their music after even so many listens still remains kind of unpredictable and intoxicating. One piece of advice for someone wanting to get into writing or creative work. I'm going to give you two answers. I'm cheating a bit, but I hope that's okay. Number one, read. Read a lot. Stoke your imagination. You'll be amazed how over time, reading a lot of books will improve your vocabulary. It will help you develop more compelling sentence structure, things like that. Number two, take a decent amount of time to write things just for yourself whether that's a lyric, whether that's a short story, whether it's just a journal. Express yourself all the time, even if it's just for yourself, because that will help you hone your writing style and kind of discover your own voice. And if you do nothing but write, you know, for payment or write for a job, you might find yourself not being so in love with what you're doing. What is the thing you miss most about Windows? This is probably an atypical answer, but I actually find myself sincerely missing the benchmarking tools. I know that Linux has several. Pharonix Test Suite is brilliant. Um, But the ability to simply play any game and capture a minimum average and maximum frame rate, regardless of if that game has a a built-in benchmark tool or not, I think we sincerely need a very user-friendly, very easy-to-use benchmarking tool for gaming. And that's, uh, that's actually what I miss the most from Windows. If someone gave you a fairly large investment, let's say 500000 USD, to be used for a new Linux FOSS project with you at the helm, what would the project be? The very first thing that springs to mind, and I don't know if we can categorize this as a free and open-source software project, So apologies if I'm kind of twisting your question. But if someone gave me half a million USD and and said, make Linux better, I would devote 
that money towards improving the global perception of desktop Linux. Marketing videos, marketing tools, consulting advice, um, anything that I could do or help facilitate that would raise the tide, so to speak, because, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. From Connor from linuxlads.com, he writes, would you rather fight one giant BSD devil or a thousand tiny tuxes? Connor, what a great question. But have you played an MMO in your life? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, dude. But but listen, everybody knows that it's it's the thousand ads that will kill you. It's all the little minions, right? It's they will swarm you and overwhelm you. You have to have someone in your party who is just devoted, you know, to taking out all the little guys. So yes, I would much rather fight one huge angry BSD devil than a thousand angry tuxes. Joe Hill writes, what is your favorite or least favorite advancement in technology in the last 10 years? So I first looked at this list of questions last night, actually, uh, alongside my wife. And this inspired like a 90-minute conversation about technology over the last 10 or 20 years. And again, this is a tough question to answer. And I think, again, I have to cheat a bit and go back maybe 15, 18, 20 years, Joe. And my answer for the best thing and the worst thing is the same thing smartphones. More specifically, the advent of the push notification, the bell that summons us when something in our online world is happening, when an app wants to tell us something, when somebody wants our attention because we are so accessible now and there are no virtual barriers. And what I mean by that, kind of alluding to one of the earlier questions, Time zones don't matter in an online world. We are always reachable. And I think that is the best and worst thing. It's like that, you know, my wife was saying, if I'm, if I'm stuck, if I'm, if I'm lost somewhere, I can just pull out a map. It, it, there's, I mean, there's this utility knife of brilliant tools and resources in our pocket all the time. And yet, it's, it's that push notification. It's that, that bell that has almost trained us like Pavlov's dogs. You know, it interrupts what we're doing. It has shortened our attention spans. And we are trained now to, uh, ding, pick up, pick up the phone. And, oh, it, and, you know, oh, okay, I've got this notification over here. And I've got like seven new messages here. And, uh, oh, I should probably address this because it's just going to stack up. And, uh, yeah, it's smartphones are are great and they're terrible and they're addicting and they are i think an inescapable part of our culture now and the hardest thing is just putting it away and not caring about all those notifications that are constantly going off in the background aaron writes you mentioned you were in eastern europe where specifically and how did you end up there i'm assuming you're american based on the accent Thanks. Love the show. Well, folks, I saved the best for last. And that's because the answer to this question is the best thing that has happened in my life. And I want to preface this by saying something really important to me 
And, and I hope it's something that resonates with all of you. This is especially relevant because my birthday is coming up. And when I was younger, I used to dread growing older. I used to view it as, you know, one step closer to the grave, less time to accomplish what I wanted, less time to, I guess, unlock my potential. And, and it, it filled me with self-doubt. But let me tell you something really important, okay? My life truly began after 40. So just know, going into this answer, you should never count yourself out until it is completely over. If you are still alive, you have time to find happiness and you have time to do what truly fulfills you. So yes, you are absolutely right. I live in Eastern Europe. I live in Croatia specifically. I was born and raised in Fresno, California. In fact, for the first uh, 40 years of my life, I didn't even really leave the West Coast of the United States. A few years ago, uh, AMD had a press event for their Polaris GPU launch, the, the 400 series cards, and they hosted that in Macau, China. That was my first time ever leaving the United States. And I met a woman named Lana Yelich, and she was also a tech journalist. She had something just burning inside of her that you could pick up on instantly. And I'd never seen that before. It was just this, this lust for life and this passion every minute that she was breathing, it seemed like, you know. Um, and putting aside the fact that she, you know, was absolutely and is absolutely drop-dead gorgeous, I got the sense that th this was a woman who really understood herself and loved herself for who she was and made no apologies about the type of person she is. And that, that alone was ridiculously attractive. So, you know, fast forward several months and uh, we developed an online relationship and really got to know each other. I eventually decided I have to go visit her in Croatia. So I made the journey. I, I spent, I don't know what it was now, 10, 11 days here. I fell so much more in love with her than I already was. And I just remember this, this moment that, that, that is burned into my memory. I came up the elevator and I walked down the hallway to her apartment and she was just standing there looking at me. And I got this overwhelming sense that this is where I belong. This is home. This is exactly where I want to be. And it wasn't very long after that, that that I decided to take the plunge and make the move and build a life here and effectively start over and uh, and start over with her. So the reason that I kind of gave you that preface at the beginning of this answer about, you know, how I used to dread getting older and how I used to have so much self-doubt and, and um, worry constantly that I was running out of time to, to really find myself and find what I want to do with my life and, and find happiness. You know, I had danced with happiness a little bit, but I, I never truly understood it. And with Lana, I finally 
understood it. The thing is, she has challenged me in ways that it at first seemed abrasive, but later I, I came to realize that she was actually pushing me to what I was capable of and beyond that. She has inspired uh, almost an album's worth of music that that hopefully someday I'll put out there. When when I just when I said, "Hey, I'm gonna." I'm going to stop covering all this stuff that the majority of the world reads and, and you know, do Linux. <laughs> she was 100% behind that from the very beginning. She has given me uh, endless ideas and strategies and, and things to consider. And you know what? To be quite honest, if you guys love what I'm doing, she is a big, big, big part of that. And for, I got, you know, for the first time in my life, I will be 44 in a few days. And for the first time in my life, I, I feel so energized and so confident and so happy with where I'm at and where I'm going and where I'm going with her. Um, and I just, I, I really, I really hope that everyone can find that. I, um, I didn't think I could. I really, I really had written it off. And she came along and uh, just gave me this new recharged enthusiasm and passion for living. She's my muse and she's awesome. And she changed everything. So that's, uh, that's obviously the abridged version. It's, it's quite a story and it's a, it's, it's like a realistic fairy tale and Croatia itself is a beautiful country. If you ever get the chance to visit, come to Zagreb, uh, check out all the nature, the stunning beaches, the incredible cuisine. It's, uh, it's home, and it feels perfect. Anyway, great, great question. Great questions all around. Thank you so much for indulging me in, uh, in this community Q&A. I had a lot of fun doing it, and so many thought-provoking topics. And I think we'll do it again. If I didn't answer your question, it's not deleted. Don't worry. I'm just saving it for next time. I will be back in another week for episode 18, and I will be in Denver, Colorado at System 76 headquarters. Got some surprises in store for you. Thank you so much, as always, for listening and and for supporting this show and everything that I do. Until next time, take care and take care of each other.